One of the times we came to visit Austin before we moved here, we were staying at a place called Verde Camp, which is a property just off South Congress, which was like a, a property where they had several little cabins and an Airstream trailer. It was a pre-Airbnb, Airbnb sort of thing. One of the times we came, the guest who was staying in the house behind us was Ethan Cohen and his wife and their kids. This was when they were making True Grit. And they were the least Hollywoody Hollywood people. <laughs> the kids were obviously extremely well-adjusted and not scene stirs because one time that during the weekend that we stayed there, they spent over an hour just in the backyard kicking around a beach ball. Like, <laughs> low-tech, no one near a screen, Ethan Cohen with his shirt off, just kicking the beach ball. <laughs> Loving life in Austin. I'm Tara Ariano. This is I Love You So Much. Welcome to I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast, a show for everyone caught up in an ongoing love affair with Austin, even if it's complicated. I'm your host, Tali Mosley. I'm Omar Gayaga. And I'm Addie Broyles, coming to you from the shores of Lady Bird Lake in the offices of the Austin American Statesman. Let's face it, we live in a boomtown, and nowhere is that more apparent than in the Austin real estate market. Local realtor Lily Rockwell, formerly of 512 Tech at the Statesman, joins us this week to spill. What is the actual last affordable neighborhood in Austin? And what do you absolutely have to know before putting your own home on the market? It's historically hot in Austin, but don't worry, we've got cool suggestions. For a small fee or even for free, you can escape to these secret cold spots for relief. Last week, we had our first I Love You So Much happy hour to celebrate the show's one-year anniversary. We'll tell you how it went and what we learned from meeting some of you. In this week's web report, should we rename Austin? Eric Webb comes in to tell us why, shockingly, some people think it's a good idea. We'll end, as always, with our recommendations in a toast. But first, are you trying to sell or <gasps> buy a house in Austin? Or do you feel like you'll be renting forever? Former Statesman reporter Lily Rockwell came by to talk about Austin's unique housing and apartment market and what she's learned since becoming a realtor herself. Lily, welcome to I Love You So Much. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, in your new capacity as a realtor. So, so we should give some background. Uh, Lily Rockwell uh, used to sit next to me on the business desk at 512 Tech and had been a reporter at the Statesman, and then she launched a new career in real estate starting, was that November or December? Yeah, late last year. Dived so, into it. So what has that been like, that transition? Is being a realtor like the new yoga teacher in Austin? <laughs> <laughs> do you do yoga when you real estate? <laughs> there's definitely... <laughs> like everyone does it. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of people who want to be in this industry. And there's a lot of people who um, get into it, you know, based on what they've seen on HGTV or some reality show and um, then realize it's not quite what they think it is. The turnover rate is actually pretty high. I think the stat I saw was 80% of new agents don't survive their first year. Really? So while there's a lot of new people getting in, not, you know, there's a lot of turnover too. Wow. Okay. So it's you're running the gauntlet of your first year right yes. now. <laughs> Good luck. So yeah. how, when somebody gets into it, I mean, I remember when you were getting ready to leave, like you, you talked a lot about like a, kind of apprenticing under someone else or working at a company. Like do most people 
try to strike out on their own and that's why they fail or what, what how do people generally get in as far as like who they work for or, or whether that is a super good question so basically um under state law you have to be sponsored by a broker uh, when you first start your career which is good because you want someone who's going to supervise you so you start out with a company like a Coldwell Banker, a Keller Williams, um, and they technically sponsor you. So you have a boss who should also be functioning as your mentor and helping you get your business started. Um, there's different ways you can approach it. Some people start out as an assistant to another realtor, and then they kind of walk them through the ropes and actually pay them sometimes a salary. You can start out as someone's uh, part of someone's team. So you have, again, like more of a supervisor who's helping giving you business and train you. I chose the more challenging path of <laughs> just totally kind of more going out on my own. I do have um, a mentor and I do have, of course, a broker, but I'm on my own in terms of I don't have like a sponsor. Or t- sponsor's not the right word, a team leader. And how, how long do people generally stay in, in that role? Like a, like a year or two or how? Yeah, most people only do that for a couple years, and if they, you know, like the business enough and feel like they're poised to be able to do it on their own, they jump. The reason why that's hard for a lot of people is because you're truly commission based, so you have no salary. You're completely, you know, the money you make is completely based off the business you generate. It which makes being a realtor seem like a very intense relationship with your clients because your livelihood depends on their decisions. So like, can you talk a little about that? Like what it's like getting to know a new prospective buyer or a couple and you're shepherding them through this process and how does that affect your dynamic with them? Do you like really talk up houses so that they will buy a freaking house like <laughs> Annette Benning? I think and, I would um, leave if they talked to me like that. <laughs> like Annette Benning and um, American Beauty, I will sell this house today. I totally went into this with the whole strategy and philosophy that I do not want to be the Annette Benning character. I mean, you definitely have to have a very zen approach to this business. Um, and I, I don't think it's smart to like really try to convince everyone you meet to buy a house because that's not the right, uh, this doesn't make sense for everybody. You know, for some people, it really does make sense to rent for a few years or whatever. So you definitely kind of have to have that approach. I will say you learn, you definitely learn to roll with the punches in this job. So there are days where you really just like a deal falls apart or a client you thought you were going to land doesn't pick you and you want to just like go home curl into a ball like cry your eyes out but you can't do that in this business like you have to like keep going and like get back on the saddle so it definitely teaches you how to have that kind of attitude much like baseball there's no crying in real estate exactly (laughs) so here's a question for you lily um do realtors choose a segment of the population that they're going to specialize in or a neighborhood that they're going to specialize in like are there realtors out there that say, you know what, I'm looking for young couples, first-time home buyers who are looking for their first thing? Or are there people who say, like, I'm in the luxury market? Like, how does that shake it? Is that a thing that happens? Yes, definitely. So you can specialize to your heart's content. Um, I have chosen to sort of, right now I'm serving general Austin area. I don't really want to limit the clients I work with, so I'm making it pretty big uh, picture. But definitely it's a strategy to specialize in a neighborhood. It's fun. It's called farming. So you have a neighborhood that you farm. And usually that means... Uh, usually means sending out mailers to that particular neighborhood. Um, some people do door knocking, that kind of thing. So, and some people do specialize in luxury. Um, it's a, it's 
little bit tougher to start out that way. And most people who start out that way start as assistants to to luxury realtors. Door knocking. Like, are you literally (laughs) going up to someone's door knocking and going, want to sell a house? No. So (laughs) I have done door knocking before. It's not like that because I don't think it would be super successful to do it that way. Um, What I have done is when I'm hosting an open house, I will door knock and invite the neighbors. Oh, And so it's a way of meeting somebody. It's a way of like, you know, inviting them to something they might be excited about and uh, it's a way of sort of introducing yourself as a realtor. Oh, that's smart because you know they're curious. They want to know who's going to move in there. Yeah. Exactly. And I actually learn a lot about the neighborhood when I invite realtors. I mean, neighbors. So I like it. Wow. Are you the person that leaves flyers on my door that says, we buy cheap houses? (laughs) No. We buy ugly houses. I can explain those people too. Uh, I was super curious one day and I went to this investors, real estate investors meeting in the domain somewhere in a hotel. And basically that's who those people are. They're real estate investors. They're usually not realtors. And they specialize in basically trying to find people who need to sell their house and um, have not are not working with the realtors. So they want to be able to buy houses quickly, cheaply, flip and them. flip them. So they, they really don't want people – they don't want to buy houses on the MLS because that's not how you find a good deal. So they try to find people in vulnerable positions or people who don't want to go <laughs> through the – Rigmarole of getting their house ready. Your and grandma that, kind of that watches Fox News. <laughs> yeah. I will say that since we've done landscaping in our front yard, we've gotten less, significantly less of those flyers. So <laughs> um, we don't want your not crappy house anymore. Judgment, exactly. Uh, okay. Look, I Go. uh, what, what were some of the things that surprised you the most getting into this industry? Like, what were some things that shocked you or that that threw you for a loop? Every day, honestly, there's something surprising I learn. Um, In general, I was blown away by just how many hats realtors have to wear. It's a hard job. I mean, you have to know how to read a survey. You have to know how to write a contract. You have to know marketing, Mm -hmm. social media, uh, good communication skills. I mean, it's like 10 jobs rolled into one. So that's been interesting to absorb that. Um, Also, I... I'm surprised even with how popular shows like HGTV are, how little the average person understands about the market and even simple things like negotiating and not communicating to the other side that you're really motivated and need to sell your house, that sort of stuff. I was talking to a realtor who uh, had a family incident or something and their cleaning person bailed at the last minute, had to go do something. So he's there with the mop cleaning out the place for a renter to, to come look at. Completely. I've had to do stuff like that. I mean, you're what, one thing that's been interesting is I, I feel like I've had to get a whole new wardrobe for this job because it's different from journalism where I actually could dress up more. You have to have really comfortable clothing because you don't, you're on your feet a lot and you also don't know what you're going to end up doing that day if you're going to have to run to some house and clean it or whatever. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So, Lily, I know our listeners will be curious about this. Are there any secret or just under the radar neighborhoods that are still affordable for Austinites. And let's first do some definite of our terms by what we mean as affordable. So are there neighborhoods? What's affordable? Sure. So I'll start out by saying if you really want to know how much you can afford in terms of housing in Austin, you definitely should be talking to a mortgage lender and a good realtor should be able to recommend several for you to talk to. But in general, in my mind, when I see two income households in Austin that are sort of very entry level first time homebuyer, they're usually looking in that 250 to 350 range, roughly. 
Um, that's what I see in Austin. Cool. And so are there any neighborhoods where you can still find homes for that price? Yes, there are. Uh, I'll talk about South Austin because I'm most familiar with South Austin. So um, the bad news is 78745, which is basically south of Ben White's, uh, all the way down to essentially more or less slaughter has really blown up. And so you're almost to the point where you can't find anything under 350. You can still, but I think that window is closing. So the next kind of hot zip code is 78748, which is just south of that. So there's a neighborhood called Texas Oaks that I showed a bunch of houses in to a buyer. And they had houses that were 250, 275,000 uh, built kind of in the 80s kind of time frame. So yes, there's still houses in that price range that exists, but you're definitely going to have to give up some things in terms of commute or age and condition of the home. And that what far, it, oh, sorry, that, that far south, you're hitting like getting close to Kyle, right? I mean, you're almost out of the yeah. Of the city. You're you're close to the Buta Kyle area for sure. You're still in the city of Austin, but yeah, you're at the very southern end. What about seven eight seven zero four? Can I find something for two hundred fifty thousand? How, how high off the ground would you like to live, Tolly? <laughs> fifty floors, sixty one floors. So everyone wants to live in seven eight seven zero four, and honestly, we're at the point where no. You cannot get anything for two hundred fifty thousand and oh four. And I mean, honestly, even a teardown, I don't think would be. What's worth like that. an entry level price for that zip code? I wish I looked this up before I came here. I mean, you're seeing. Ooh, I would say have at least five hundred thousand. Yeah, and even that will be challenging that's if like you a want condo a single. Probably, right? That's, that's like more of a condo yeah. price, four hundred, yeah. five hundred thousand. If you want a single family home. More like seven hundred. Yeah. Okay. Good reality check. Okay. So, um, <laughs> the look of bitterness and <laughs> sadness in your eyes. <laughs> so, okay, uh, Lily. So, let's talk about what people should know when they're trying to sell a house. So, because that's a different set of challenges. So, um, are there you know particular features that are hot right now, or like what? I know it's a seller's market in Austin, but what are some things people should know before they put their house on the market? I love this question so much because there's a lot you need to know. So the biggest thing is um, I would talk to a realtor fairly early in the process. One thing I see people doing is actually they think that the realtor should come in at like the very end and just help them with pricing. And that's actually not really how a good realtor should function. You should bring them in the minute you know you're interested in selling and talk about things like, what sort of upgrades should I do and whether they make sense in terms of a return on investment? So an example is I'm working with a seller now who, you know, really she had good um, instincts in terms of she repainted her walls um, a beige color, which is great because it's a neutral. That's fantastic. Fresh paint is a really good investment because you tend to get a good return on that and it's not terribly expensive. But if she had asked me, I probably would have steered her more towards a gray or a white tone because those are really in right now. Yeah. So that's just an example of like, yeah. if she had just asked my opinion in advance, I probably would have steered her towards a slightly different direction. Beige 90s girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So talk to a realtor early in the process. Um, it depends on the house. So what we look at uh, is really what is selling in the neighborhood and what sort of upgrades do they have. And so you have to have that talk with sellers about, sure, we could get 400000 for this house, but the houses that are selling for that price have you know these kind of countertops and this type of hardwood floors and you know this type of upgrade in landscaping in the backyard so you you have to have that conversation a lot with sellers because it's a seller's market and people think well I don't need to do anything to this house like it'll just fly off the market 
So you have a lot of conversations in this business about, okay, well, here's what's realistic, and here's what would make sense if you did some upgrades. Right, right. There's some tough love, I see. Cool. Yes. Well, um, Lily, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us about being a realtor in Austin and a little bit about the market in Austin, too. Happy to. Good luck in your career. Thanks, thanks so much. Last week, we did a happy hour, our first for I Love You So Much, and it was to celebrate our one-year anniversary of the podcast, and we had an event. We had a thing at uh, Indian Roller on Manchac in South Austin, and we wanted to just take a minute to wrap it up and thank everybody that came out. Uh, Tali, you were sort of the, the brains behind this operation. What, what, what was the purpose of this? Uh, yeah, it was, okay, well, the whole vibe of the event was super sweet. I got to meet some listeners and past guests and hang out with past guests and meet a few people that listened to the show, but I had never you know, heard from before on social media. So that was cool. I just wanted to take the podcast offline and build community. And I feel like this is, this is the first time that we've gone for it, even though it's something I've wanted to do forever. And I feel like the way to do this is to do it with some regularity. And um, I'm looking for good suggestions too. I picked Indian Roller because it has a lot of parking and a lot of space, but my gut is telling me next time do somewhere a little bit more central um, so, yeah, I would love to crowdsource ideas for how, A, if you guys would like this to be a regular thing, B, um, where you would like to have it. But I really enjoyed having our past guests meet each other and listeners meet each other. And that's the whole point of community is it's not just us and rallying around us. It's people making uh, their connections with one another. Omar got to meet his favorite podcasters, Laura and Joe of Heavy Friending, mm-hmm. who's yeah, been, who've been on the show, but you didn't get to interview them. Yeah, I know Joe uh, from uh, other stuff that we've done, and we, we've we've been on his show uh, for interviews. But I'd never met Laura. Laura and I are online friends now, just from through the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I had never actually met her. But I, I delighted in telling them, you know, you know what? She's actually way funnier than Joe. <laughs> which, which I don't know if that's completely true, but but yeah, they, they just have a great dynamic, and and it was great to be able to tell them to their face, like you know, I I love listening to the show and. Yeah. Uh, and I like what they've been doing lately. It's kind of gone on a different direction. Um, and then to see them meet uh, Doggo and Nicole from Breakfast for Dinner. So I was exactly. like, my worlds are colliding. These things I listen to are coming together. And I had never met Doggo and Nicole. And yeah. so we had such a great time oh, getting great. to know each other. Mariah they're from so South Miranda was there. Yeah. Local pro- podcast producer with so many cool ideas for podcasts. That was awesome. I really enjoyed meeting your friend, Amy. Amy. Had, Amy Haley, Gay Gardens so on she, Instagram. She had two podcasts. I mean, because basically a podcast happy hour. You're going to talk about podcasts. She told me about ologies and uh, conversations with Alanis Morissette. Uh, oh, hello. yeah, she loves that show. So Alanis Morissette is apparently really into psychotherapy, has a whole podcast about it. And this um, woman named Allie hosts Ologies, and it's fascinating conversations about science, but from a really, I don't know, just a totally different, curious, almost like Jonathan Van Ness, curious yeah. kind of a place. So um, I left a that party person. feeling super stoked about just what we're doing. And also the podcasting space feels so creative and exciting right now. It was fun to connect with other people who think the same oh you know Hema was there Hema Reddy um, she's a local food producer she she has a company um, she makes wonder nuggets which are these little kid friendly oh, wow. nugget things she's actually thinking about starting a podcast about food entrepreneurs and, and launching food businesses so that was also cool to oh, sort of so like great. brainstorm other podcast ideas with you know yeah. everybody's got a podcast idea mm-hmm. Kelly Stalker was there Kelly Stalker past guest who I totally think should have her own oh my God, podcast how many podcasts could she have 
Yeah, yeah. She's actually been doing some radio stints, uh, so that's that's okay, been it's, it's, yeah. It's great to hear her on the radio. She's so good um, on the radio. Okay, my so, friend Mandy Chase Wolf from uh, I know her from the Bedpost Confessions community, but she's a signer for uh, Mortified Bedpost and storytelling events. It's great to see her out there too. So we'll leave, we'll uh, wrap the segment. We had a poster that we wrote some questions on. I'm just going to pose one question, and we can answer some of these. Okay, what is Austin's best? Or worst idea, and we had several good suggestions from this little. This is our our party engagement game. <laughs> yeah, um, our user engagement. For, uh, <laughs> let's see, the I thirty five split was best idea or worst well, idea. Well, I think the idea is that like it could be could it could be the Austin's best or worst. It, I think know. Ross wrote that. My husband, oh. <laughs> so I can I can verify with Code him later. Next, which got nixed. So uh, let's see, what was the other one? Uh, uh, Mopac, South by Southwest, The Boardwalk. I wow. think all these are pretty good. I mean, I think Contenders. the boardwalk is pretty across the board Beloved. a great idea. Well, yeah. just the hike and bike trail downtown. Totally. Um, let's see. I, I often wonder, I mean, the river the, being the in the library, middle of the city. The library is an awesome oh, idea. idea. Yeah. I was going to say, who, who thought to like put the river in the middle of the city and make it so hard to cross? But I guess <laughs> most cities have like water in the middle. Oh, my gosh. But the, the, uh, that's one of the reasons I love Austin so much is that any time of day you can see people taking advantage of it, like walking their dogs. Like to me, it just feels like community visible all the time yeah like and who and what else has it some downtowns are totally dead they're skeletons but and you have to artificially create that green space yeah but Austin's always feels like that main vein of humanity is what unites the city I can argue that ACL I mean I, I, I do love ACL but it can be a real nightmare yeah oh uh, Omar and I almost got killed at South by Southwest so <laughs> we by, by an activation <laughs> yes so we could totally argue that's, for that, the that's a good side. one yeah. South by Southwest activations which are like the best of South by Southwest and also the, the absolute Deadly. worst of South by Southwest I also put too much Donia sauce on a taco this weekend it was not good mm, <laughs> what's that what's that quote I think we've shared it before with each other Adity that your best your worst quality is your best quality turned up to an 11. Mm. That's Donia sauce. I'm looking at you, Donia. That's very Austin. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming out, everybody, that, that we got to see. And we'll try to do this again sometime yeah. soon so we can meet even more of you. So uh, stay tuned, and we will let you know when we have our next event. One hundred plus degrees, get used to it. It's August in Austin, which means service of the sun heat. But fortunately, we've got some unusual suggestions for how to beat it. We have a true news you can use segment. Omar, Addy, and I are going to be discussing the coldest places in Austin. But this isn't your typical Barton Springs, you know, Deep Eddie. Everyone knows about that. We were inspired by an Austin Reddit thread recommending some <laughs> usual choices for coldest places in Austin, including this man's mother in law's house. <laughs> Or yeah, this one guy's house. Her ex's heart. Uh, okay. But we want to go to actual places where you can get cool. Right, right. And what's the first thing that come to mind? comes to mind when we talk about this? Okay, well, someone did recommend on this particular Reddit thread, which we'll link to in our show notes, the Costco Produce Cooler, which is absolutely the honest to God truth. I cannot walk in that thing. My kids have gotten old enough that they are now splitting off from me in the grocery store. When I go to the frozen food aisle, they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll see you over there. We're not, <laughs> not down with the frozen food aisle. Yeah, they, get, <laughs> they get frigid. Yeah. Also the beer cooler. Um, I go to the one at Fresh Plus, but there's, I mean, there are yeah, Whole yeah. Foods. So that's, so that is one kind of, and then Omar, you were also recommending 
Trader Joe's, like a specific section of Oh, I'm Trader not Joe's. recommending. I'm like, stay away if you're, if you're, if you're <laughs> yeah, temperature so, sensitive because so. they, they have those waist-high coolers that where everything's yeah. sort of like right at your belly level. Right. And, you know, if you if you have a sensitive torso, <laughs> torso. let us say. Well, um, the entire... So, cross-the-board recommendation, grocery, grocery stores. stores. So, I just want to say specifically H-Mart. I mean, so, I go to a lot of H-E-Bs, and I never bring a sweater or anything. It, I mean, when I'm grocery shopping, I don't typically bring extra layers. I know it's going to be a little chilly when I'm in, like, certain parts of the store, but it's not unbearable. Y'all, I almost had to, like, turn around and leave H-Mart as soon as I got in there. And then we were in there for 10 minutes. I was like, guys, I can't keep shopping. We have to yeah. go. We have to get what we have, and then we have to go. We have to survive. Is it? Is that the whole store or just the no, frozen the area? Whole, no, the whole. No, what I'm saying is like the the it was in the produce section and in the aisles, and then we went over to the food court where it was only barely tolerable. Oh, but wow. they did have 99 cent beers. Well, do you they, think? Do you think that? Hold on, question. Do you think like you have just because you're not from Texas? Do you mm. think you have acclimated so thoroughly to Texas that I'm, now anything below say <laughs> 60 degrees? I'm telling you, I go into Whole Foods and Central Market. I go into all these other grocery stores, and I'm not too cold. But I also I will be, go on the record of saying I think movie theaters are warmer than they ever have been. Because I yeah. not, I bring sweaters. I'm conditioned to bring sweaters to movie theaters, especially in the summer. And I've been seeing movies all summer, and I haven't had to use one once, except to wipe the tears on my face from from Mr. Rogers and oh. eighth grade. Hot <laughs> take. Hot okay. take. Hot take. This is some investigative journalism. That could be true because, I mean, you, you're seeing all this cost-cutting happening at movie theaters where, like, the light bulbs are getting dimmer and they're, yeah. they're kind of... There's more popcorn. They're okay. not cleaning up. All right, but before the- we before we talk on to like places you have to pay for to get the benefits of the colds, such as movie theaters, I want to stay on this free option real quick because I have also noticed that apartment building lobbies, um, like your neighborhood Ombly, also keeps it bad word expletive cold, cold really cold. I think as they're trying to attract new residents who aren't as used to the heat. So you could go to like a hotel lobby for free is what you're saying. Do some homework. Exactly, exactly. Or yeah, or pretend to be what is the future resident parking only? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, and take your pick of Austin Condo apartment complex. You know another free place that on Reddit they say is real cold? The holding cell cell in the county jail. (laughs) And they specify between Williamson County and Travis. Travis County is cold, but Harris County is worse. Case slip not nine on Reddit. Thanks for that tip. Noted Reddit criminal. (laughs) I guess they keep it cold because if it's hot, things are going to get out of control. I mean, I would lose my, you know what, if it was too cold for too long, but... So, or I would fall asleep like so, an insect in a freezer. So this brings the question, like, what's worse, too cold or too hot? Oh, you know, for me, it's always too cold. I mean, I I can stand the heat. It's just is like um, a little bit depressing and I don't have as much energy. But too cold, I feel incredibly angry when it mm-hmm. gets to be like so cold that I can't, can't function. I start fantasizing about a bath and I can't stop... I can't do my tasks without thinking about the eventual warm bath I'm going to get to. And I have to leave and I'm not good company. So too cold is always worse. Well, I was asking you off mic, is that still a thing, these cryo chamber places? Oh, yeah. Of of two years ago or whatever. Okay. No, the cryo craze is still around. I live near a few. Apparently, LeBron James has one at his house. Which, Okay. Journalistic note. I haven't fact checked that. This is just coming from my friend. That's probably why Donald Trump is mad at him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't like I don't like the freezing. So no, it does have anti aging benefits and rehabilitative benefits. Uh, 
allegedly. <laughs> Up mm. until a point until you're frozen and then you're <laughs> Ted Williams. And then, and then it's yeah, moot. Yeah, the or point Walt is moot. Disney. You're Walt Disney. Uh, but I say leave that to the professionals. Don't get one at home because you could like change the settings and all of a sudden it's back to the future. You're 30 years ahead. <laughs> so Omar, do your kids ask you that question all the time? My kids ask me once a week. Do I have a cryochamber down? No, no. Once a week, would you rather be hot or cold? So much to the point is like, would you rather die of heat or die of cold? That's where we're at now. It's my, very morbid. My kids never complain that it's too hot. They always complain that it's too cold. We're in the same boat. Yeah. Like I really do think, I don't know if it's because we're Texans or if there's, I mean, you know, literally if I were like freezing to death on a tundra, I would just fall asleep. If I were like in a desert, it would be really hot and miserable. That would not be a fun way to die. I will tell you that. <laughs> but yeah, I would no, rather for be, anyone. <laughs> but I would rather be warm. Their solution than cold. to too hot is always like there's a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, you can cool off, and then all of a sudden you get that breeze and you're peachy. Okay, all right, but like uh, again, pools like everyone knows to jump in the water, <laughs> and that's why lines are so crazy long at Barton Springs. So guys, I'm going to give you two more tips from this Reddit thread to go to, and one is Longhorn Caverns. 20 minutes north of Marble Falls. Pretty in the cave is 67 degrees year-round. There's also, apparently, a Blue Bonnet Cafe nearby Marble Falls that has a pie happy hour. It's, which, an, it's an old-school restaurant that people really love. I know, love. I've been yeah. to Blue Bonnet Cafe. That's great. Okay, and also a movie at the Paramount. And Joe Gross has talked about the summer movie series before, so if you want a way to cool off, but in a grand, classy fashion Go take advantage of the Paramount. That's another way to cool off. Break out your fur coat and really yes. fit in like a timepiece. <laughs> Sassy, classy, and chilly. Yeah. Okay. That's that's it. That's all I've got. Well, Stay. props <laughs> to every HVAC repairman and woman working their butts off over this city to make sure that we all stay cool during the hottest month totally. of the year. Totally. Okay. I'm actually. I'm so sorry. Can I say one more? And that is apparently Freebirds, both on Burnett Road and 35 in Parma. Freebirds. If you want to get burritos and also. Arctic chill. Hold on, you like you're a burrito a good, to get cold real you're fast. You're a good business place. Tali left off the most on the nose suggestion in that entire list, which is the Chili's <laughs> at 45th and Lamar. Which I often ask, how is that place still open? Oh, it must be people trying to stay chain cold. restaurant. Yeah, chain restaurants is a good theme in addition Waterloo, to grocery ice stores. House. Yes. Okay. Great. All right. So, guys, we hope the segment has been helpful. If you have other ideas for ways to stay cool, tweet at us. We will share your suggestions on a future episode. Eric Webb, thanks for joining us in the studio. Thanks for having me. So what is blowing up on Austin 360 this week? So one thing that has just taken our website by storm is this report that came out a couple weeks ago that our own Philip Jankowski wrote about that sought to uh, take stock of the existing Confederate monuments in Austin. Because as you know, we uh, the city renamed Robert E. Lee Road to A.Z. Morton Road and Jeff Davis Avenue to William Holland Avenue. And so this is a report kind of just making a list and of the different locales around town that could possibly be up for reconsideration. Mostly street names, right? Or mostly some schools. Street names. Mostly street names, some other stuff. Uh, for example, there's uh, like Littlefield Street, uh, Tom Green Street, Sneed Cove. So there's some some things named after people that's with a a little bit of retrospective. Tom, Tom Green Street seems like just a bad idea to name stuff after was, an MTV personality. That television show, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. Had no idea MTV star Tom Green was involved in the you know, Civil Peace, War. Peace Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, Governor Peace, Peace it was a, mm-hmm. uh, a slave owner as well. Plantation so. Road. Yeah. So, so within this whole debacle, uh, it seems like it came up that Austin itself 
could be renamed? Is that where I'm? Where it's going? A little bit, yeah. So there was a table. If you look at the report, and if you go to our website uh, to mystatesman.com and look at the story, uh, we actually have the report embedded in the story. And there is a list of uh, primary uh, locations worth reconsideration and sort of secondary. And the city of Austin itself was on that secondary list because apparently Stephen F. Austin, maybe not in 2018, uh, the most upstanding guy. Man, <laughs> Sam yeah. Houston, I just found out Sam Houston. He uh, had lots of slaves too. I mean, it's the, the definitely Austin- a hard conversation to have, but I'm, gl- I'm glad we're having it and we're, we have some fun with it. The Austin American Statesman. We read reports all the way through. Well, okay, so this is a thing. Was So the things that were brought up against you in Austin were that he opposed an attempt by Mexico to ban slavery in the province of Tejas and said if slaves were freed, they would turn into, quote, vagabonds, a nuisance, and a menace. That ain't very woke, That's honey. That's not very great, Stevie. Mm-mm. No. So we put it out to the readers of, like, well, what do you think about this and got some mm-hmm. interesting feedback. Yes. As you can imagine, when faced with the prospect of renaming the entire city, some <laughs> of our readers had some thoughts and p- questions and opinions. Uh, one reader uh, at Frothy Froth on Twitter said, quote, trying to escape reality and write your own history. Kevin K. Rowe on Facebook wrote, quote, maybe instead of renaming bigger things like city names, provide an opportunity to learn the actual history of the people that they are named after. There's nothing wrong with knowing and acknowledging the full story of whoever, whatever is named after, good and bad, which I think is a thing you see often in the comments of uh, stories like that this. That sounds like homework. I mean, Texans do have to have a year of Texas history, guys. It's true. That's a good place where you could do this. Yeah. I don't know if I learned that much in Texas history, but maybe I should have been learning about Stephen F. Austin's abhorrent views about slavery. Yeah. Doesn't the history keep changing where like 10 years later, you're like, oh, no, he was a bad person, actually. (laughs) So uh, that was some of the things that people said, I guess, just sort of about the very idea of it. But of course, when confronted with the idea of renaming the city, everyone's got an idea. And so more than one person suggested Waterloo, which, as we all know. One of the original, uh, the original, the original, yes, name. the original Apple song, <laughs> the best number in Mamma Mia Two. Here we go again. <laughs> um, a man named Phil voted for Phil Texas. Uh, Waterloo, California, <laughs> sounds like a good name, right? Sam Fennick on Facebook. Wait, wait, let's go back to Phil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why. So I, I, I read into that like, why Phil? What's what's because <laughs> that's his name. His, his name is Phil. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You I think Eric Hey, Texas if we've learned good. anything, naming <laughs> places after people is maybe not such yeah, a good Yeah, what if idea. Phil's a bad guy? <laughs> That's going to come back around in a couple hundred years, probably. Right, right. Yeah. Um, at Cliff Haley on Twitter said, Welcome to Virtue Signaling Texas. Sick burn. And uh, Shanine Camille on Facebook wrote, Bat City, which I kind of like. I like Batsylvania. That was oh, one I suggested online. Yeah. Violet Crown. Had come up. Violet Crown is good. I don't think as a city we lean hard enough into the whole city, the Violet Crown thing. It's such a beautiful set of words together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I asked in our meeting, the other, features meeting the other day, what is the actual likelihood that we would even t- really seriously talk about renaming Austin? I mean, I'm putting it at like less than 5%. Oh, it's not It's not a thing at all, but it's yeah. a good talker. No, uh, I think it is interesting to talk about, but um, like, is there precedent for a city changing its name? B- Bikini, Texas. Remember that? <laughs> uh, there was that, yeah. Well, there's also that town in New Mexico named Truth and Consequences because the game show Truth and Consequences, or Truth and Consequences, I don't remember which one it was, they had a contest in like, whichever city would rename themselves that. Oh, that's such one a city lame did. gimmick. Uh, but there was one suggestion in the comments that I loved, which was like, name it after Stone Cold Steve Austin. No name change. You're good. <laughs> that's true. Although, let's, I don't know, I, I feel like if we pry, I don't know. I'll stop there. <laughs> he, he might not have the most wholesome background either. Stone Cold said so. 
<laughs> Addie is a wrestling fan, so she does know. Um, well, it is worth mentioning, so since we brought this up, but like, how likely is this to happen? Uh, Phil Jankowski, again, the reporter on this story, wrote, a change to the city's name, meanwhile, would likely would require an election since Austin would have to be struck from the city charter and replaced. And then what happens to all the places like Austin Pizza and Austin... Austin American Statesman. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah, it does really open up a can of worms. The and Waterloo American Statesman. There you go. I, that, I like well, it. Well, thanks for enlightening us to all these wonderful perspectives. We really enjoy when you come in, and we also love hearing from readers and listeners. So um, be sure to check out Except Austin... Phil. Th- Phil. Phil. What are you thinking? Yeah. Come yeah, on, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, you know what? We'll see you again on the internet tomorrow. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me here in Phil, Texas. We've now come to the point in our show where we have a toast. This is where we go around the table making some recommendations of things we feel you, our listeners, should check out. So, Omar, what do you have, sir? Well, recently I had a little bit of time off and I had a chance to go to the Waterloo Obstacle Course, which, uh, if if you haven't heard, this is like a, I think we talked about it with Kristen Finan on a recent episode, this is like an on-the-water obstacle course of inflatables on the water. So, like, you fall off the inflatable, you're in the water. And it's on Lake Travis. Uh, there's another one that uh, Addie has been to that is uh, Quest, which e- is yeah, east of town. East of town. Yeah. So there's two of these things. And they're these things that attach together. And, you know, there's slides and there's things that you climb up. But what what I found was that it's exhausting and maybe leave it to the kids because, like, I was there for like a 60 minute session and after five minutes I was lying flat on my back on the inflatable like can we go now it was it was just like so exhausting and and because you got the adrenaline of like running this obstacle course but then you're falling in the water so you're scared and you're like you know climbing back up out of the water it's like a full body workout and it's exhausting and I cannot, Were you I do not recommend scared? it to anyone <laughs> okay. but ironically well, it's in this test segment the fear of like you're about to like go go across this thing and then you slip and fall in the got water it. and you're like ah! Ah! you know you do that thing <laughs> So, you know, your body, your body responds to that and your, you know, heart is beating really fast and it's, it's, it's a workout. It you really have a lot is. of adrenaline. And you're in the sun, so your skin is baking. So like, yes. I, it, 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 all the things that are great about it are also all the things that are terrible. <laughs> is oh. this, is this an anti-toast? Is this more of a No, PSA? I had a, I had a really good time, but I, at the same time, I'm like, I'm too old for this. I, this. This is for kids. Kids have the energy and the stamina to do this. I should just go to the gym. So we had so much fun. We just went last weekend and there were lots of adults on the course. Um, the UT women's basketball team joined us afterwards, which was pretty fun to see these like six foot tall ladies, like four hot taller running on these American Ninja Warrior style obstacles where you're jumping awesome. and, you know, swinging and doing, I don't know, you have to use this rope to climb up to the top and then you can jump off. So I, if you're trying to decide between the two places, so I went to the one Southeast, Omar went to the one out West. The one out West is a little more expensive. It's on Lake Travis. It includes a boat ride to get to the obstacle Yeah, you have to place. ride a boat to get to it. The place over in southeast Austin is actually a wakeboarding place. This is where you go to practice wakeboarding. And then they just now added this obstacle course onto it. And it's like 20 bucks for one hour. And really all you need is an hour. But you have to pay like another five bucks for um, a life jacket. So it's not cheap. Oh, but really? Yeah, yeah, they don't charge for a life jacket. So it's not what, cheap, what's but, the cutoff age? Like, um, oh, you have to be seven. Uh, at least okay. seven years old. And I think um, know how to swim 45 inches tall, something like that. But um, I really had a good time. And then we actually really enjoyed the wakeboarding part of it. I'm still sore and exhausted and can hardly move. Um, but if you like American Ninja Warrior or your kids like can't get enough of playgrounds, you really should take them. To My friend parks. Leela has been on four seasons of American Ninja Warrior. 
That's it's awesome. true. Yeah, yeah, I'd like yeah, to yeah. see the professionals. When After about an do hour, it. I'm like, I'm the boss out here. I can do this. And then, then I'm falling down. But I'd like <laughs> to see people who actually can do these water obstacle things really well. Um, pro tip, make sure the slides are wet. Oh, yeah. I don't know Ooh. if they warned you about this, but we got some gnarly road rash in my house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and wear water shoes because they, they get hot. And you can actually compete more efficiently. Not that I not that I was thinking about, man, I wish I had water oh, shoes. Oh, I wasn't competing. I was gasping for air. Oh, I was like racing the teenage boys. I was trying to... Anyway. Um, I'm going to have a co-toast I'm going to calm it down. And after you're done depleting your your energy reserves at Quest or wherever this one that you went Another one's Waterloo. Waterloo. Okay. Then you can curl up with a nice book by Andre Asiman called Call Me By Your Name. You may recall the film by Luca Guadagnino. Guadagnino, I think I just added an R. And this book is so luscious. It's a great summer read, not because it's a beach read, but because it literally takes place in the summer. (laughs) And um, it's just about a crush. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. truly all it is. But somehow it's a page turner. Mm -hmm. It's a 17-year-old boy and an older um, academic resident that comes to stay with his family and this just very lazy, bougie, Italian, Italian villa type setting and it's just them getting to know each other. That's truly all it is. But I am just so enjoying the language of it and how well he captures what a crush feels like. Like obsessive, but painful, but the pain is also appealing in some twisted way. So anyway, call me by your name. This is one of the first times I've aesthetically had the same level of appreciation for the film as the book. I was going to ask when the book came out. Do you know? 2008. Okay, cool. I loved that movie, and uh, I think I would really enjoy the book. So. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Addie. I, I can't eat a peach, really. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> um, of our okay. hammer. Okay, so. What you should have done with the book is like put a bunch of peach recipes at the end of the book. Like, <laughs> like a tie-in. Um, okay, so I am going to plug... Well, all right. I'm going to tell you about Everything is Alive, the new podcast from Ian Chillag. Oh, yeah. This, they sent out some the first episode on um, 99% Invisible, which is how I first heard it. Now I've listened to the second episode. Basically, Everything is Alive is an interview between Ian and an inanimate object. So the first one is him interviewing an off-brand can of Coke. And so he persona- he's written this script where the Coke has this like inner life and this personality and this perspective. And it's all informed by, you know, as an off-brand can of Coke, this this poor can has been like neglected in the back of the fridge for a long time. He's been taken on some trips and then brought back and he gets his hopes up that he's going to get consumed. But then the whole point of the in- of the interview and why I think this podcast is so great is that it really speaks to the existential questions that we have about like because the can's the can's desire is to be consumed. But what happens when it's consumed? Mm. Will it even be there? Will it be alive to enjoy it? What would it be like? And at the end of the first episode, I mean this is like 25 minute interview with a freaking can of cola. And the interviewee interviewer says, well, you know, I could drink you and and the can would that be okay?" And the can agrees to be consumed. And then you hear this slow. It's almost like a death scene, but it's it's just so melancholy and tranquil and and deep and interesting. And so as soon as the second episode came out, it was about Maeve, the lamppost, who thinks that singing in the rain is actually about a lamppost, people praising a lamppost. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, it's funny. It's so well written. Wow. It's so creative. Like I am on pins and needles waiting for the next episode to drop. I can't see. I can't imagine where he's going to take it. Everything is like I was subscribed to so this gr- right now. That's great. Yay! I love it when a podcast wreck drops in your 
podcast feed right this yeah second. yeah i will totally look that up right now okay great recommendations guys good toasts that's our show she's Addie. he's omar i'm tolly check out the austin 360 instagram and facebook for more about life in austin and talk to us on twitter at love austin 360 if you liked what you heard today leave us a review on itunes or your favorite podcatcher it helps other people discover the show I Love You So Much, the Austin 360 podcast is produced by Alyssa Vidales. The show is made with support from Features Editor Sharon Chapman and the entire Austin 360 staff. Our theme music is from local band Hardproof, which you should definitely check out at hardproofmusic.com. You can find more about the show and its contributors at austin360.com slash loveaustin360. And if you want to pitch an idea for the show or give us feedback, shoot us a note at loveaustin360 at statesman.com or leave a voicemail at 512-445-3672. We couldn't do the show without you, dear listeners, and we can't thank you enough for lending us your ears, your comments, and your coconut jerky. Until next week, we'll see you under a mystery.